When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Girl CEO Podcast, the playground for female entrepreneurs. My name is Ronnie Brown, and I'm the author of Amazon's best-selling book, From Mopping Floors to Making Millions, and was once a teen mom turned millionaire business mentor. I created my Girl CEO community for women like you. Girl CEO, you are a trailblazer, a creative, an innovator, a boss, and a woman who knows that she deserves more. Join me each week while we uncover what it truly takes to be your own boss and become a successful girl CEO. And don't worry, sis, I got you. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Girl CEO Radio. I am Ronnie Brown, and today I have this amazing woman with me. And guys, we are going to talk about the real, about entrepreneurship, the good that comes with entrepreneurship, but most importantly, the bad and the ugly, (laughs) the things that people never talk about. You know, I believe that entrepreneurship is more than glamour and fancy cars and standing in front of your accomplishments. So why don't you go ahead and tell everyone who you are and what your business is. Sure. My name's Adi Arizini and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Teamy Blends, which is a lifestyle brand that creates wellness and skincare products inspired by the health benefits of tea. Love it. Love it. So let's talk. At what age were you when you realized this is what you wanted to do? By, by this, you mean this business or the, the life of kind of like owning your own business? Either or. I started, my first job was when I was nine years old. I made my first dollar. I was babysitting a kid at a woman's office that, you know, she couldn't take time off work. So I babysit the kid. And for me, not about this business particularly, but I always had a very high drive to produce and to make an income because I was raised by a single mom. And I always knew that if I wanted something, I needed to work for it. You know, we didn't have disposable income to go around. We lived in a very strapped type of lifestyle. So I started working from a very young age and have never stopped. Wow. And what was your first business? since at nine years old. I was like an amazing babysitter, but I started realizing <laughs> when I was 16 years old, I would make sometimes during summer break, you know, six, $700 a week. And I'm yeah. 16 years old. And some like people as adults make that now. Yeah, for sure. And I was just being able to have lots of kids that I would take care of. I would find families that had multiple children. I'd find families that were a little bit higher end. And I was just a very good nanny slash babysitter. And I was always working. Love it. Love it. And to Today you are you know, an official business owner. I know people probably see your brand everywhere, different influencers. You guys are killing it in the influencer marketing game. You know, let's talk about this process because some people may see the final product, but they don't know what you've actually been through to get where you are. How did you get started 
doing this? Yeah. So when I was in the Israeli Defense Forces, I was in the military. I was a fitness boot camp instructor for artillery soldiers. And so that means, you know, when you see movies and the girls telling guys to do push-ups and climb rope, like that was my job. And I loved it. However, after about two years of being in the army, the food in the army is kind of made for the masses. So think about that the food that's being created every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is being made for 3,000 people at a time. So it's not going to be the healthiest food and it's not going to be organic food. And my body at, at a certain point just completely broke down and my digestive system just completely broke down, which means that I was going to the bathroom like one time a week, which is really, really unhealthy for your gut. You know what I mean? And when I came back from my service, I started looking into natural ways to detox, natural ways to cleanse the body of built up food or waste. And I was looking for a natural way to do that. And that's what kind of got me into the tea category and into the tea industry because I was looking for a natural remedy. And that's really what what got me on that path. So when you made the decision that you were going to start this product line and that you were going to find a solution to a problem that you were personally dealing with, did you have any fear when getting started? To be honest, in the right in the beginning, I didn't have a lot of fear because I didn't really have much to lose at that time. I was living with my mom. So I was living rent-free at the time. I got together with a business partner that had a background in tea. So I knew that he could help me formulate these products. I didn't have a lot of fear. I had more of like, can I really be successful? I didn't know if I could be successful, but I would wing it. And I would say, you know what, what will happen if I give this a year of my life and it doesn't do well, I'll just go back to personal training. I didn't have fear in the sense that I was scared to start, but I was more like, I wonder if anything will come of this. For sure. And one of the things that, you know, just really stood out to me that you said was the fact that you were still living with your mom when you Mm -hmm. launched this product line. And I think right now, everyone is just super anxious to be like a boss or, you know, a CEO and they want to have their own apartment. Can we kind of just talk about how important it is and how smart it is to do kind of like economical living while you're trying to find and build a brand? Totally. I mean, I would not have been able to do it if I had the stress of paying rent at the time. Or, you know, my mom just was kind of like, yeah, girl, you do you. Like, we'll see what happens with this. And my bedroom was my office and my shipping station. I was like packing orders and shipping boxes all from my bedroom. I didn't have to have a storage unit because I was using my house the entire time. I would use my mom's kitchen table to pack orders. And a lot of founder stories start that way. And I really believe in it. I really believe in it. Like if you can, that's like a good rule for business. You want your overhead to be low. I remember my business partner was like, why don't we just get a storage unit for like $50 a month? And I was like, no, 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 I could save that $50 a month and I could just put it all in my bedroom. Wow. You know, I was very like, you know, scrappy. Yeah, scrappy and frugal. Wow. And that is just so important that you have that mindset because we don't understand when building a business, sometimes people forget about the sacrifices that you have to make when you're trying to build something. You can't go out. You can't go out of town. You can't go on those vacations with your friends. What are some of the things that you had to sacrifice while growing your brand? Definitely all the things that you just mentioned, but the biggest ones are that I've been in a long distance relationship with my husband for five years. I met my husband. I know it's kind of crazy. I met my husband a year after I had already started the business. So Teeny was already in existence and it was just starting to like gain some traction. And I met him here in Florida. He's from Portland and he was here on a work trip and we've been doing long distance ever since. And through that five years, we dated, we got engaged, we got married and I have to sacrifice my 
my relationship and even having children because I want to take care of my team. I want to make sure that the company's stable. And so knock on wood, next year by August, I'll be moved to Portland and it will have been like a five and a half year kind of transition or goal to make happen. So did you have to do that because your company is in Israel or? My company's here in Tampa. So the long distance is from Tampa to Portland, but I have like an office here with employees. And if you are serious about being a leader, you have to kind of be there and in order to manage my employees and like, see, are they doing okay? Are they motivated? What problems need to be fixed? I don't feel that I could have necessarily grown the brand as much as I have if I wasn't around. And so the goal is to really find good executives that I can put in place so that I can run it remotely. Yeah. And And that's the goal. And I think one of the things that I just thought about is how hard it is to find good people. You know, Mm. when I initially started my company, I thought that I could do it all along. Did you ever think that initially? (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, I was doing everything. I was doing customer service. I was packing up orders. I was doing the marketing. And it took me, I think it took me a couple months before I gave up the customer service emails. And my business partner was like, you need to give this to someone else. Imagine how much time you could spend on marketing our product if you did not focus on the customer service emails. So it was definitely like a releasing of control. And I still go through that today. For sure, for sure. And for the listeners out there, for the people who are in a space where they're growing their business and they're attempting to take the orders, drop the french fries, clean the bathroom and make the burgers, what would you say? to them? I would say that in the beginning, you do have to do it all. You do. But after you find something that is repetitive, you should make a a checklist and you should give it to someone that can do repetitive work because your mind and your vision is being wasted on repetitive work that can be done by someone else that's also very good at what they're doing. If it's repetitive, you shouldn't be doing it. For sure. And something I was just thinking about just talking to you is just how the world of women is is just evolving. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a flip role. When I was coming up, it was just totally different where women were just kind of concerned and the focus was on being married and just being a mom and getting that ring. And I just feel like so much is changing, which is (laughs) why I created Girl CEO, because I believe that we have to understand how we can be the CEOs of our businesses, our lives and our homes. How do you feel like what's happening with women working harder on their dreams? Because it's like now women are like, yeah, I'm going to put off marriage for now. And some are just like, hey, actually, I'm not ready to have kids right now. I'm trying to build my brand. And it's not because no one wants to marry us or we don't want to have children. It's because we've made a decision. You know, I talked about that in my book. It's like women in my book, I say that women are at a place right now in their lives where they're like, no, actually a relationship is a distraction. How do you think this is changing the game? for women right now who are, it's kind of like we're becoming the men. Yeah. And honestly, I've felt that way for so many years. So what you're saying is really resonating with me. You know, I think that women want control now more than ever. They want control of their bank accounts. They want control of what they have and what they don't have. And they just don't want to be it to be dictated by someone else. The only thing that I feel that sometimes through that transition, women can lose what mm. makes us such beautiful creatures. Because even 
funny. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. like if we were in a public space and we were here with my husband, it would never come up like, yeah, Adi wears the pants because I don't wear the pants. Like the relationship is different than like I wear the pants in my business, but I don't wear the pants necessarily in the relationship where like we're a partnership at home. And the femininity is something that I see that we're kind of lacking now in the world because there is such a push to be your own boss and to build your brand, everything that you're saying. So I think that it's possible to really juggle the two. Still be, yeah, and like I'm 29. I want to have kids, you know, by the time I'm 31. Some people might think that that's young. Some people, you know, if you're from New York City, you're going to think that that's really young. You're going to wait till you're like 34, 35. I want to have three kids. I got to start. And it is, especially if you already have your own business, it is a struggle having to wear the role of the feminine mother and wife and also be a badass in business. Yeah. And what I feel like, it's not something that you kind of purposely do because I find that aggressiveness, I see it showing up not only in my business, but it kind of rolls over into my relationships, my friendships. And I feel like we have to kind of pull back and just kind of make sure that Mm -hmm. the aggression that we carry in the workplace doesn't continue to show up in the relationships as well. Yeah. And I had to check myself on that too. I really had to pull back, you know, like I can't be telling my girlfriends what to do. They don't work for me. Like, I can't be telling my my husband would say to me sometimes, I don't, he was like, babe, stop bossing me around. I don't work for you. Because sometimes it would be even just like, hey, do the dishes, go over there, do that. And he was like, can I talk to my wife? Like, I'm not talking to boss Adi. Like, he would have to put me in my place. It took me years to like learn how to communicate and like disconnect that side of myself when I'm speaking to my husband. Wow. You know, this conversation is making me feel so much better. Because I thought I was going crazy because I can be such a pit bull in business that I found myself going through the same thing. And I had to just ask myself, is every woman in power going through this right now? You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I did an interview where Thefon Speaks. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's like a relationship guy, like on social media. That podcast is actually coming out probably Wednesday. But he was talking about how women need to stay in tune with their femininity because if they get like too super strong, or like aggressive, it becomes kind of like unattractive or it's difficult or it causes like chaos in the relationship because the masculinity will cause you to constantly bump head with your yeah. partner. <laughs> totally. And I, I was like, wow, you know? But even to hear you say that your husband has to check you like, hey, I don't work for you. This yeah. is time to turn it off, you know? And it's just like, you don't you don't even realize you're doing it, but you made me feel better because my friends would say to me like, girl, you don't even realize when you come around, you're like, do this, grab that. Can you get this? Can you get that? Like you're in boss mode, right? Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. don't even realize that you're doing that to, you know, the people around you because you're so used to like delegating and organizing things. Yes. And I just think that we have to take a moment to turn it off and find that balance. So how do you right now, you have a super successful company and your company is taken off. You guys are a seven figure. I don't know, hit the eight figure mark yet, but you know, you're just exploding. How are you finding that self-care and that balance right now in your life? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I can't say that I'm always balanced. I go 
through life for me, and I think for everyone, happens in seasons. I could have a season where I'm like working seven days a week, and I could have seasons where, you know, hey, I, I got things under control. As far as balance, I like to schedule my workouts in, and that's really my time. And that really helps me. And when I'm with my husband in Portland, it's really our relationship time to work out together at like six in the morning. We both really enjoy exercise. So we go together and we do that together. And, and at a place like that, I'm not the boss of him. He's not the boss of me. We're just doing things together, yeah. spending good quality time together. And the other tips for balance is to learn how to turn it off. And I'm still working on that. But you know, if you leave, and this is what my husband keeps telling me, like if you're leaving the office, you need to leave the office. Like you have left the office. Wow. Because there's nothing more you can do that day. And I have a hard time with that because if I had an employee quit or something massively terrible happened at work, or I'm really behind on a million projects at 8 p.m. at night, there's not really much I can do yeah. until tomorrow, unless I was planning on working all night. So if that's all I can do for that day, then kind of raise your hands and be like, all right, I'm going to eat dinner. I'm going to spend some time <laughs> with my husband. Like tomorrow's tomorrow's problem. Yeah. And, Instead and, of having the computer at your table, eating spaghetti and like sending out emails, right? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it calls for that. There's many times that I've done that too. But as I grow as a person and as a wife, I'm really learning that my for the longest time, my world has evolved around my business. If my business was doing well, I was happy. If my business was not doing well, I was unhappy. The question is, how do you be happy when your business is not doing well? And being able to separate that and look at that, okay, well, I have an amazing husband. I have an amazing mother. Like, look at all the other things that I have going on in my life. I feel like only entrepreneurs get as affected by this. Because if you have a bad day, like at work, at work. And, you, and it doesn't like, like go shit. into your bones. You're like, oh man, somebody at work kind of said this mean thing to me. And I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, okay. But if you're a business owner and hey, everything is crashing and burning around you, you feel like you might die. Yeah. Like you, you might actually die. You feel like shit. Yeah. You feel like complete shit. And then you also start to question your ability to do it forever. I you mean, know? I, I go through that too. I was speaking um, at Howard University and they had me speaking at the School of Business and they told me, what are, they asked me, what were just some of the things that you battle with? And I said that I feel like as an entrepreneur, you have those days where everything is going great. And then a few days or maybe a week later, you're asking yourself, is this really going to last for 20 years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, you're also trying to build up like your security. You know, there's no job security in being an entrepreneur. There's no job security. So I really commend all entrepreneurs, whether they had a business for one year or five years or 10 years or make, and there's a lot of people that choose also to close their businesses. And that's not a failure. It's not, yeah. you know, you did something, you had a business open for five years when not 1% of the planet does that. It's incredible. Sure. And one of the biggest things that I want to touch on is making sure that you have the gratitude, but also being thankful for your nine to five while you're growing your business. I feel like we're in a season where everyone is like, screw a nine to five, firing my boss. It sucks. You see all these unappreciative people. I want to fire my boss and all that stuff. And I just feel like when you are praying for that job, the mindset is just a little different. And for me, I walked away from my job when I was making really, really good money in my company. And I was so afraid to walk away, but I was thankful for the income that I yeah. created because the income that I got from my nine to five, I actually used that income to fund my business. What would you say to the people out there who are working their nine to five and they're just starting their business and they're ready to quit their job? I 
I would say give it 12 months. Like do your business as a, you know, nights and weekends kind of and give it six to 12 months. And that's my opinion. It's not, you do it sooner than that. It's totally fine. But I was a personal trainer and a spin instructor. That's what I did before Teeny. And I did that. I was still personal training for about a year. And then I was teaching spin for about two years. I could count on that extra income for me, which wasn't really important. So what I would say is, and also you don't know if you're cut out to be a business owner. And you might think that you are because entrepreneurship is so over glamorized because it's like everybody wants to live out their dreams. Like I am on board with that, but everybody looks at business owners like it's easy. Yeah. Like it's easy. If it was easy, everybody would be a business owner and jobs wouldn't exist. Like if it was easy. So try it out and see how you deal with the pressure. Try it out. See how you deal with things not going your way. If you can do it for six months and it's going well and you're able to make the same income from your business that you can from your nine to five, then quit. Totally do it. There will always be more jobs out there. So if you quit and you get another job, if you love your career, that's when you have to kind of question it. Yeah. And one of the things that I also want to just add to that is the fact that you said, make sure that you're making, (laughs) you know, make sure you're making what your job is paying you. Because I see people now, they're like, the Lord just told me to leave this. He just told me to walk away. I'm like, that is not the Lord. That's your ego. The Lord didn't tell you to walk away and not know how you were going to pay your bills in two weeks. Like you're just not hearing from him. I don't think so. I don't think that he would tell you that and you have like a kid or someone depending on you. You have to be responsible. And if you're making that decision, you're not going to make it as a business owner. So you're already not being responsible. Exactly. That's a, a super good point. So let's talk about the process. You know, what was it like really getting your product out there? What were just some of the things that you went through, some of the failures trying to get people to notice you and, and really stand out in a market, in the market that you're in? You know, when I started, it was like just the beginning days of Instagram in the sense that like it was six years ago and influencers were just kind of starting to pop up. And most of the influencers were like food influencers and models. And like, it wasn't like it is today where really anyone can become an influencer that's sharing information, which I love what it has become much more. But everything I was doing was manually. I loved the idea that on Instagram, I could communicate with anyone and I could DM an influencer and ask them to send them my product. And that's really was the beginning of my influencer marketing strategy. I had an Excel spreadsheet and I would put in the Instagram handle and the products that I sent to them, the tracking ID, their address, and I would follow up with them to make sure that they got the product. And then they would post about on their feed or on wherever they were posting about it on their blog. And they would include a coupon code. And with that coupon code, I would track who was making sales and who wasn't. And that's when I started paying attention to that not everybody is influential. If you're an influencer, it doesn't mean that you're influential. Like who is really, who is out there that is influencing buying decisions? And I found so many markets that, you know, the person would have 100,000 followers or 200,000 followers or a million followers and and make no sales, but Mm. someone else would. So I started kind of figuring out through that who my target market was through what kind of influencer was able to influence them or not. And I was able to find common denominators throughout that and and understand Instagram as a sales machine and not as like a, wow, how many followers do they have? How cool is that? You know, like people that really get caught up with like, wow, this person posted about my products and they have a million followers. Like, okay, that's cool. But how many, how much traffic do they bring to their website or how many sales 
sales that they make because if you pay the money to promote your product and they didn't make any sales, then what are you doing? For sure. You know, it's just so interesting that you said that. I was reading an article this morning about mm. this and it was talking about, I'm actually going to go to it <laughs> while we're on here. <laughs> it was literally this morning I was reading up on this and I was like, whoa, like the game is really changing. And the article was just talking about how much Instagram influence is changing the game. But most important, most importantly, influencer marketing. And they said that right now, as of 2019, the price per Instagram post for influencers are as follows. It said that anyone that has 10,000 followers or less, they are likely to make up up to $500 a post. Micro influencers from anywhere from 10,000 followers to 50,000 followers are able to generate anywhere from 200 to $4,000 for a post. And then mid-tier influencers that have about five, about 50,000 to 500,000 influencers, 50,000 to 500,000 followers are able to generate anywhere from 2,000 to 10,000 a post. And then macro influencers who have 500,000 followers to 1 million followers are literally able to generate 5,000 to $25,000 a post. And then mega influencers that have a million followers and up are literally charging $10,000 to $150,000 a post. And then we go into the celebrity range, which several million, and they are charging literally anywhere from $20,000 to $500,000 for a social media post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of those numbers are a little inflated, but I have seen all of that happen. And we ourselves, most of our advertising budget goes to influencers right now. Wow. So like that's been our bread and butter. That's really been how people have found out about us organically in the sense that it, we're popping in on their feed through somebody that they already know. But yeah, influencer marketing is really expensive and, and it's like real estate. It's like the price keeps going up or can't really control it. Yeah. And I they don't were- know when, when it'll go down if ever. <laughs> Is the recession coming? Right, right. Influencers are like with a sign like $10 a post. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that when they were talking about taking the likes away from Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this is going to be a a huge hit for influencers if they were to do that. But I'm sure companies would probably just, you know, request the analytics either way. You know, they were just saying how so many of them have been in this article literally paying for followers literally paying for the engagement and many of them, the following, it wasn't real. And I think that it goes back to what you were saying about the inflation, not even in just in the pricing, but in the influencers actual, their ability to convert. Yeah. And that's what we kind of do differently is that we look at each influencer and we really look at if their audience is asking questions, if they're being influenced by them before we did like, are there just a bunch of bots commenting or these a bunch of other blogs bloggers that are commenting on each other's posts to boost their uh, engagement. Yeah. They do like, that too. They're in the yeah, like, blogger chat groups and people, they're like, okay, go comment on this. Fix. So it looks like mm-hmm. they have a ton, of, a ton of engagement, but it's not organic. I know it's kind of wild. And, and again, that's why we have to kind of look through each person. It's a very manual process, but we're looking for influencers that have a true connection to a group of people. So I'll give you an example. Back in the day, this is again, this is like five years ago. I found out that girls that 
that had curly hair, whether they were Caucasian or African-American, they had a very engaged audience because they would give tips about like, you know, how to deal with your curly hair because it was like a thing that people needed to know about. Now I have straight hair, but they had such engaged audiences. They would say, Hey, I'm using this new product on my hair and it's been amazing. And they would talk about it. And then like you would see in their comments that their followers were asking them, well, like, how did it affect this? And how did it affect that with your hair? And I was like, wow, I really need to work with these curly haired group of people. And I did. I worked with like tons of them and they all were great at converting. Yeah. And anytime I tried to work with some sort of model, never converted because like they're not giving good advice. There's no target market other than, yeah, there's no really target market for them other than girls that like to get inspo for fashion or men that like to look at these girls, these models. So (laughs) bingo. Yeah. (laughs) So really looking for like, where do I find the moms? Where do I find the teachers? Where do I find the nurses? These are the people that I want in my community. I want nurses. I want teachers. I want moms. Like that's my group. So I have to work with influencers that are like that. Yeah, for sure. And what would you say to people who aren't taking Instagram and social media series right now? It depends on what kind of business you have. If you have some sort of coaching business, Instagram and YouTube would be amazing. If you sell products like I do, again, Instagram is amazing for that. But the organic reach on Instagram is not what it used to be. So we'll see what happens in the digital landscape for companies. Because right now, if you're a skincare brand, because we have a skincare line as well, everyone has to be on Instagram. Like if you're starting a skincare brand, like you got to be on Instagram. But I don't know what the, I don't know yet what the next thing will be. Yeah. And what do you tell people for building as far as building outside of social media? Any tips for the listeners on how to build offline? Yeah, we are in a lot of retailers. So we are in Ulta Beauty. Our skincare line is in every Ulta Beauty store nationwide, as well as our new product, which is a skincare fridge, just got picked up by Nordstrom, which is a big deal. So those two areas help drive more sales and more awareness for my brand and for my products, as well as I work with companies like Fun and BoxyCharm to work in with their community as well. So those are all like not my own website sales. And it's really important to find these other avenues so that when something with your website crashes, you still have income coming from in. And that that's happened to me so many times where, you know, sales were killing it on my website and then it just crashed because there was a Google algorithm update or there was an Instagram algorithm update or Facebook changed their rules. So having multiple channels of revenue gives you some security. For sure. And if there was someone who was listening to this today and they are about to launch a product and they want three things that they can do to drive sales right now, what would you tell them? I know the first one is influencers. Two other Mm -hmm. things. I would say SEO. So really figuring out the SEO for your website. And you have to find one platform that you can build organic engagement. That might be YouTube or it might be Instagram. Those are the two that I would really go for. For example, we're Instagram. We have a YouTube channel with videos on it, but I'm not like getting necessarily customers from YouTube where I am getting customers from Instagram. So if you were going to start a product-based business, you might want start a YouTube channel to talk about the area that you're that you're in. So you have to find a way to scale your brand without paid advertising because right now it's all paid for. YouTube ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads. And if you don't have any money for advertising, you have to build some sort of community somewhere. For sure. I tell people that all the time. Some listen, many don't. But I, I tell people that if you think you're just going to launch a product without building a community first, you're going to fall right on your face. It's no yeah. way right now. There's absolutely no way you're just going to 
jump out there with a product line and think it's going to fly off the shelves if you don't mm-hmm. have any. No, it's super true. And two of your favorite apps or programs that you're using right now that you just can't live without outside of Instagram, of course. Yeah, I use this app called Sked Social, which allows me to, to plan my Instagram posts ahead of time and, and make them go live ahead of time. So we work through our entire feed usually two to three weeks ahead of time. So I would say using that, it's you can use it on a desktop or you can use it on your phone. And honestly, the like the Audible app or listening to podcasts, I almost I rarely listen to music in the car anymore. I'm always listening to podcasts because it helps me stay inspired. For sure, for sure. Well, I am so excited for you and I'm so proud of you. Congratulations on everything that you have going on. Where can my listeners come and check you out at? Yeah, they can check out my brand at Teamy Blends on Instagram or on our website, www.teamyblends.com. And if you want to see behind the scenes of what it's like to really own a business, then you can go check it out. Check my page out at, at D Arizini. Love it. Love it. Well, we are just rooting for you. Thank you for being transparent. We love to have girl CEOs on who are super transparent about their journey, who aren't fluffing it up. And thanks for just opening up with us and really telling the behind the scenes of being in a relationship, running a company, having a long distance relationship and just all mm-hmm. the things you kind of went through. We appreciate the real here. So I am just pumped. I'm excited and I cannot wait to see what happens for your company over the next five years. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Girl CO Radio, the playground for female entrepreneurs. Be sure to leave your feedback and make sure you go check her out and all the amazing things that she is doing. Guys, be sure to follow Girl CO Inc. on Instagram at girlcoinc.com and we will continue to teach you how to be the CEO of your business, life, and home. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. Yay! <laughs> With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.